Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Monologue Podcast. My name is John and this episode is uh, has been a long time coming. I was trying to get it done last week, but I forgot that it was Thanksgiving weekend and that my family would be home. Um, so uh, my brother came back from college and uh, and I had my uh, my father who doesn't live with us. He, he came down, so I didn't get anything accomplished. <laughs> and uh, um, so it's coming a week later than I expected. That biweekly schedule seemed to have been working out for me, but uh, in, in the case of last week, it, it kind of threw threw that schedule off. But I'm back, and this is the Yona of the Dawn Part 2 episode. So this is a follow-up episode. If you guys aren't familiar, um, if you didn't listen to the Promised Neverland Part 2 that I did, this is essentially like a spoiler-filled kind of more detailed impressions on a series that I previously covered on the show. Uh, so in this case, it's You Know the Dawn, which <laughs> which I think I covered like two years ago. Um, so it's been a while. I had to reread the couple volumes that I read for that first impression episode and uh, and then, then some for for this episode. But it, it's been a while. Ideally, it would not take this long. Um, when I initially started the podcast and, and, and had this, you know, formulated this idea uh, with, I think, one of the listeners that actually reached out to me and, and helped me decide on uh, how frequent I was going to do these types of episodes. So ideally, this was uh, my podcast was weekly, and this um, these part two episodes would come at the end of the month. Um, and that helps me kind of cycle through previously covered series and, 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 and get these episodes out to you at a more reasonable pace. Uh, but it turns out, <laughs> well, one, podcasting is more work than I thought. But also, these episodes in particular, um, it took me so long to read what the content and take notes on all the stuff that I want to take notes on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not going to be doing these types of episodes as frequently. I'm going to try to be more um, proactive about them, though, because I don't want to go like a whole year or two before returning to the series, because then I forget stuff. So um, yeah, I'm going to try to put these at a more reasonable pace. But anyways, so this this episode is on Yona of the Dawn. And um, this is going to be covering up to, originally I was going to do volume nine, but volume seven had a really good stopping point. It was basically the end of one of the longer arcs. And it's also the end of um, what the anime covers, the anime adaptation covers. So I was like, you know, I'll stop at volume seven. Also, it's taking me forever to get this episode out. So let me just go ahead and stop here. And that's what I did. <laughs> um, so I appreciate your guys' patience. If you happen to be one of the readers or listeners that was waiting for this, actively waiting for this. One, if if you're ever waiting on something and you're like really excited, like hey, you know, you can follow up with me on social media, like hey, John. So what's what's the deal with this episode? You know, like if you happen to be reading along, God forbid. I hope you weren't, but if you haven't been reading along and you're just like, okay, so John plans to cover this on his follow up Yona episode, so I'll read up to here, and then you go two years and John hasn't released an episode. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry, um, but yeah. Um, so this is a so hopefully you weren't reading along or anything. Hopefully this is something you you've read in the past and you just want to hear me talk about it, maybe refresh your memory on some some standout moments in the manga. Or maybe if you happen to watch the anime, what I'm covering this episode is all of what the anime covers. So if you watch the anime and you just want to hear me talk about some Yona the Dawn in detail, what I like, what I don't like, then um you're in the right spot. <laughs> um so yeah, this episode is going to be a little bit of recap, some standout moments that I particularly like, maybe some comments on the art, what I like, what I don't like, what I'm excited for, so on and so forth. Um, it's going to be a kind of a, a, a loose recap. I, I didn't take notes on every single event that happens. I just kind of, the, some of the stuff 
uh, table setting and then just some specific stuff. Um, I, I, but I try to connect the dots so you're not lost on where, I, where I'm talking about in the manga. But um, as you know from the first episode, um, we, the, the whole setup is that the, the king is, is slain, uh, Yona's father. Yona is a princess. Um, her king is slain, or her father is slain, and um, it's, uh, it's her cousin, her loving, adoring cousin, Suwon, or Suwon, who is the assailant. And I actually neglected to mention his name or like that. I, I didn't spoil this in my impression episode. I was re-listening to it. I was like, oh, wow, I never, I never spoiled that. Um, so I was really careful about the spoilers, which honestly, like this is the setup for the series. So I'm like honestly surprised I didn't mention it in the episode. It was kind of like a shocking reveal, I guess, because I wasn't knowing what to expect from Yona when I first started reading it. So I didn't, I guess I just didn't want to ruin it for anyone else who, you know, I, I want them to be as surprised as I was when I saw Suwon um, uh, kill Yona's father. Um, but yeah, so he, um, uh, Suwon kills him. The motivation that Suwon gives is that, um, that Yona's father had actually killed uh, Suwon's father. And, um, Apologies if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Suwon, Suwon. I'm gonna go with Suwon. Uh, killed his father, and uh, he was also a little bit younger um, of the two. Uh, the um, Yona's father was the younger brother in line for the throne, so technically the throne should have gone to Suwon's father. And but um, Suwon's claiming that his father was murdered by his brother, and uh, but. If you look back on the flashbacks and you just see <laughs> Suhon's father, he looks like a villain. Um, he's he, I, I I get the feeling he wasn't selected next in line for the throne or selected as king because of his nature. I, I get the feeling he was more of a a violent c- character than Suhon remembers. Uh, Suhon looks back on his father fondly because you know he was a child at the time. So it's likely, and he idolized his father, so it's likely that Suwon might be a little bit of an unreliable narrator in that sense. I get the feeling there was some deeper stuff at play. Maybe Suwon's father wasn't as great of a guy that he thinks he was. And, the, and I'm sure the killing, uh, if, if he did witness Yona's father killing his father, there might have been a deeper story behind that than what he was told. I think maybe Suwon's being manipulated uh, or, or maybe his just his anger is misled, and maybe sometime later on it'll be revealed what actually happened. That's that's my guess. Um, but yeah, I'm honestly surprised. I'm curious, actually. There there has to be someone feeding Suwon as as a child, just kind of like nourish, not nourishing, but like kind of feeding his 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 anger, right? As he was a kid, or maybe somebody, maybe as Suwon got older, somebody revealed to him what actually happened to his father. Because I'm curious how like. First of all, like how Suwon would remember this because he was he was much younger at the time, and then also was able to like orchestrate this plot of revenge over so many years. It's 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 curious. I'm I'm not sure if that's something he's thought of alone or if somebody's behind the you know pulling the strings behind the scenes and, and manipulating Suwon. And um, he's also he's also being somewhat soft in his treatment of of um, Hak, Haku Haku <laughs> Hak and Yona. Um, I think I get I get the feeling like he, he has some feelings still for the two because he grew up with them as children and um and, and you know and they were basically like siblings and, and and it was really it was really cute the whole dynamic they had as kids and you know you don't spend that much time with someone 
and then not feel something, right? You're murdering her father in cold blood, and then she's witnessing, Yona's witnessing him do this, and um, it, it, he's got to feel something, you know, after doing that. I think, but he, maybe he was so consumed by, by the rage, you know, he, he finally was able to execute his plan, and yeah, he kind of had a, maybe he had to push his feelings aside in order to execute what, you know, he, what he set out to do. But um, it's, 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 I don't know, I don't know how to feel about Suon yet because I can't tell if he's a decent person or not. Um, I get the feeling that the author's trying to set him up maybe a little more sympathetic, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So um, I do say that I, I remember the men that were with Suon during the, during the whole uh, revenge plot. Um, they were going to kill Yona. And I think Suon was going to let them kill Yona at the time, maybe because he was so wrapped up in the moment. But I think they were going to let him kill Yona, and then Hawk um, uh, intervened and saved Yona. And it didn't look like Suwon was going to stop those people from killing Yona. It was, it was kind of weird. So I, it was, that was a mixed bag. I was getting mixed signals from, from Suwon. I was like, does he actually, did he actually want Yona to die in that moment? Would it, maybe it would have been easier for him if she was dead. Because then later it's revealed, when later it's revealed that Yona might have died, you know, has died, quote unquote died. She didn't really die, obviously, when she fell off the cliff with Hawk. Um, Suwon seems like devastated by the news, but then he also realizes, okay, well, this is going to make my job easier. So I don't, I don't know. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. So yeah, he, he definitely felt a remorseful in that scene, Suwon, when, um, when he, when that news was broken to him later on after the, the fire people chased down and cornered Yona and Hak, uh, um, above the, the cliff. Um, so I don't know. He did. I, I remember him saying like, I, now I can move without hesitation. You know, so there's definitely some lingering. I think there is some lingering feelings. I kind of answered my own question in that sense. My notes are a little loose again, so I'm trying to. I'm following my notes and and from what I remember from actually reading the series. So bear with me. I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> um, but yeah, from this point on, uh, Yona and Hawk, um, they they flee to the Wind Tribe, which is Hawk's like home, I guess, hometown. And uh, Yona quickly becomes part, you know, part of the family. The Wind Tribe is full of like wonderful people, and it's um, but. Because one of the chiefs um, refuses to accept uh, Suwon's ascension to the throne because there's like this whole meeting where like the fire tribe and, and the other tribes, earth tribe, uh, they all have this meeting um, to, to discuss who's going to be the next leader. And the wind chief, um, does he, he senses something's afoot. Um, so he, he actually refuses to accept Suwon's ascension at first. And... Um, so now the fire tribe and the sky tribe are making things really difficult for the wind tribe. And Huck uh, realizes this and he, he wants, um, I forgot what the old man's name was, the chief, um, but he wants him to concede just to avoid the trouble, you know, that just avoid trouble from the, from the fire tribe and wind tribe. And, and, and Yona doesn't want to remain there at, in the wind tribe because she feels like she would only bring danger to them. So it's the, their, their stay at the wind tribe is very like short lived but it is sweet, you know. You get to meet some wonderful characters, and I, I do really like the chief. Um, I think uh, the author uh, Kusanagi, I, I believe her name was. Um, she said in one of the side columns that she does love drawing older characters, which I definitely appreciate. I think I commented about this in the in the impressions episode um, that I, I like the diversity in the cast uh, when it comes to ages. Um, Okay, so yeah, then they, they leave they leave the village. I think on the note that the chief tells them they might be able to find a priest outside of the of the wind tribe, and and um and that and that that priest will be able to guide them on their path. So Yona and Huck um, set out to look for this priest, 
And uh, of course, it's, you know, it's terrible circumstances, but I actually really do like seeing Yona experience the world outside the kingdom. You get a, a lot of this, actually, because she grew up so sheltered. It was like typical princess setup. She's sheltered, doesn't get to travel, doesn't get to see the outside world. Her world is very, very small. And suddenly she's getting into all this stuff at once. And it's like, it's kind of like culture shock in a way, because, you know, there's just all these eye-opening moments when she sees like, um, you know, poor people on the street or like, you know, there's, there's like this political conflict going on in other villages. And she realizes, oh, you know, stuff's been, this stuff's been going on and I had no idea. And what was my father doing about it? That's another thing I'm going to get into a little later. Um, but yeah, it's cool seeing this in real time and just watching her become less ignorant of the world. And, um, and then there's a, uh, uh, so while Hawk and Yona spend a little bit of alone time before other characters are introduced, Hawk, um, he's kind of struggling with his feelings for Yona. It's weird. They kind of grew up like siblings and, and Hawk kind of, um, he became resigned to the fact that, you know what, Yona is probably going to end up marrying Suwon and I'm, I will be there to support them because I love them so much. They're my closest, you know, closest friends. But at the same time, that, that's the idea he kept cementing in his head. And now that they're older and the dynamic has changed, Suwon's a, you know, a villain. There's no way Yona's ever going to marry him. <laughs> um, uh, Hawk, uh, you know, his feelings for Yona start to kind of come out through um, various periods in the, in the manga so far. And um, it, he, he, had, he kind of subtly, and actually not so subtly, so there's, time, there's periods in the manga where he kind of, you know, he has these Hawk has these uh, advances towards Yona, and and I don't know if Yona is like just like brushing him off or if like she's actually oblivious, um, but it's clearly like torturing Hawk to 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 be alone with Yona and to and to feel these things he's feeling in the middle of all this crap that's going on, and then and then it doesn't help that Yona was holding on to the hairpin that Suwon gave her, so it's a it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird uh, you, you kind of feel for for Hawk, but. It's just like a weird situation for 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 them to be feeling these ex, this, these emotions right now. So especially with all the stuff that Yona has to is going through, you know, in in her head. Um, but yeah, so I mentioned um, a lot of shenanigans happen where like I think the fire tribe is hunting down Yona. They get cornered at the at this edge of a cliff, and then you know something happens. Hawk and Yona fall to their you know presumed deaths, right? But um, this is like the end of volume two into volume three, and. Um, and they do survive the the fall from the cliff, and um, that's when, and that around the time is when that fire person that was chasing after them reports to Suwon that they're dead, um, but they're not. So, uh, and, and it's at the bottom of the cliff that they happen to bump into a priest that they were looking for. Uh, his name's Iksu, if I'm pronouncing that right, and Yoon, and um, they're at the bottom of the cliff. They they find them. I think Yoon finds their bodies and kind of nurses them back to health, and. Um, you know, it's it kind of like, it's kind of like they just kind of stumbled upon their next destination, but you know, Yona Yona the Dawn's really big on like fate, and and I I think this is like one of the situations that just like it was destined to happen. You know, this they were destined to find them in this way and that kind of thing. So you know, it could be like, oh, this is this is kind of convenient the way they just kind of stumbled upon this priest, you know, after falling off a cliff. But if you think about it from a more I don't know, like spiritual aspect or religious aspect, because uh, like Yona does have a lot of themes like that. Um, it's definitely more of like a fateful encounter sort of thing, and and it helps you kind of buy it a little a little more. But um, I like I like Yoon and Iksu. I I especially like Yoon. I thought Yoon was a girl, 
it's revealed that he's a quote unquote pretty boy, which he says often. He he's self titled pretty boy, and he is a pretty boy. <laughs> like I, I uh, you know, I am a straight male, but I I will say I was like, wow, these you know, he's kind of or she she's kind of cute, and then I realized, oh, okay. He, he's he's he, he's identifies as a male he's but a pretty male so <laughs> um uh I, so that kind of threw me for a loop for a second but I, I i love yoon he is my favorite character um i i would have said hawk was my favorite character but there's some things i don't like about hawk that i'll get into later um but yeah yoon's a tough cookie um he's he's really harsh um with yona from the get-go he does not like royalty uh, or nobility and he says as much and you kind of start to learn why why he feels this way and uh and yona yona tries to kind of empathize or you know or sympathize with him be like you know asking you in questions like um you know what why and, and and she wants to learn more about the priest and and yoon's whole lifestyle just because she's trying to she knows she knows that yoon doesn't like her but she's she and she knows that she's ignorant of some of the stuff that Yuna's feeling, but she wants to she wants to learn. She doesn't want to remain ignorant. And that's what I like about Yuna. She sees some of the areas that she lacks and she wants to improve on them. And that that like that pretty much like is her whole character. It's like she starts off very weak and she notices the areas she lacks, but she always wants to improve. And she's like she's self-aware. It's like she's not just some ignorant princess, which is uh, you know, I I really like that about Yuna. Um, and then, uh, so they, they, they have a lot of like back and forth. Um, it's my, my memory's a little vague. My notes are a little fuzzy. Um, but there, I remember there being a lot of exposition at the start of like volume three, we get into, this is like where we get a lot of like lore dropping. So we get into like the origins of the first King, the very first King in this fantasy world. Um, he was a dragon, I believe it was a red dragon. And, um, but he was in human form. So he was a dragon human form. And then like these human warriors that had like dragon blood <laughs> um, uh, were basically formed to protect the king. And then after the king's death, these warriors with dragon blood, they, they kind of scattered across the kingdoms or across the world and created the kingdoms that we know today. So it, um, it's the, it's these warriors or it's the descendants of these warriors that, that, um, the priest uh, Iksu tells Yona and Hak that they have to meet, unless and if they don't, they'll die. So, um, talk about some motivation right there. And, and sorry for the rough like lore dump. If you've read if you've read this part of the manga, you're I pro I'm hoping I refreshed your memory enough to know what I'm remember what I'm talking about. But you know, it's a, it's a it's a little bit of a expedition dump. It's a little it's a little like I could have been executed better, you know. But it's just kind of like a full exposition dump and. Um, and, but it's effective because then we know exactly what their goal is and 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 just the the um, sticks <laughs> that are that are involved if they don't uh, succeed in their goal. Um, the priest is telling them they'll actually they'll die <laughs> without the help of these dragon warriors. They're gonna die, um, which is kind of which is kind of funny because I remember Hawk was gonna leave the the wind tribe by himself and leave Yona at the wind tribe, and I wondered what was Hawk's goal at, at that point. Like, what was he hoping to accomplish? I don't think it ever really says why he what he was planning to do upon leaving the wind tribe by himself. So, um, yeah, he probably would have ended up dying. I'm assuming Hawk's pretty strong, but again, the manga does remind us that he's not enough to protect Yona and Yona realizes this. She says it multiple times. She's like, yeah, with the way Hawk's going, he's going to die protecting me. <laughs> uh, I just think that's hilarious. So it's like, he's a, he's a capable warrior, but also he kind of sucks because <laughs> he's not, he can't, 
you can only bite off so much. Like you, 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 you can only handle so much on your own. So, um, but yeah, so they, they head off to find the, um, the first warrior. Actually, before that, we do get some insight into like Yoon and Iksu's uh, past. And we learned that they were both very poor and they took care of each other. And then it's, it's really, it's a really sweet, like it's, it's a really like heartwarming background. I mean, it's kind of sad the way they, they grew up, but like the way they just kind of like were codependent um, at, on each other. It was just, I don't know, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And you kind of see, seeing their history, it, it kind of makes it harder to see them have to part because um, Iksu does tell Yoon that it's his faith, fate. Um, again, the, the, whole, the whole concept of like fate. Um, it's his fate to join Hakanyona. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a bittersweet parting. And we get a lot of these in this manga, just a lot of bittersweet partings. Um, because now Yoon who always wants to explore the world, but kind of felt like he needed to be by Iksu, and Iksu had to stay in hiding because, you know, his whole thing as a priest. Apparently priests were, like, persecuted in this in this world. Um, it's dangerous for them to be out in the open. So um, uh, Yoon had to stay with Iksu and never got to really explore the world, and now he gets to do that. And, um, you know, it's kind of sad. It, it makes me wonder, like, why, you know, like, why couldn't they have a, they're going to have a group of capable warriors. Why can Iksu tag along? Why did he have to stay back? But, I don't know. I, again, it's dangerous for priests to be out in the open, I guess. So, um and uh, on their way to find the first dragon warrior, Yona uh, starts expressing interest in learning a weapon. And um, again, this is the part where she's like, she doesn't want to be defenseless. She wants to help protect Hawk. And it's, it's kind of a funny idea. Hawk's like, oh, that's not necessary. You don't need to protect me. I need to protect you. Um, but he's like, you know what? If you, if you want to teach, if you want to learn a weapon, I'll, I'll teach you. But you have to really mean it. Like, is this something you actually want to do? Will you be able to kill someone? And... Um, and then, and it makes Yona reflect back. He tries to make Yona reflect back, like, why do you think your father hated weapons to begin with, right? Um, and, and Yona, she kind of reacts in a way where, like, she hadn't even considered the possibility that, you know, oh, shoot, I, yeah, I guess if I'm learning weapons, I'm going to have to kill somebody. <laughs> and, you know, father, father hated weapons. And, you know, so it's like uh, she kind of she walks back a little bit, but then, but then she kind of, I don't know what it is about Yona, but, like, at, at first... At first thought, she she's initially like her emotions take over. She, she she whether she gets scared or nervous or like in doubt, but then immediately she kind of like, you know, she she gets like the sense of determination. Like she she brushes off those feelings and she's like, no, I, this is what I got to do. And so she's really, um, I don't know, I don't know the word. I'm, I'm I'm lacking the vocabulary to really describe this this. Uh, <laughs> but um, she 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 goes. <laughs> I was gonna say goes beyond, and I'm thinking my hero academia. Um, she. She pushes beyond her her initial like reactions to things. If that makes any sense, I I know I could word that more properly, but I, I hope you guys get the gist of what I'm saying. Um, but she she's still determined to learn a weapon. So Hawk begins to teach her the bow, and uh, you know he he asks her to hit several targets, um, and then at some point he he's like, you know, this isn't really working. Try using me as a target. And, and, and he's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll dodge it or whatever. Um, and, and, and I think Yona's still kind of doubtful, but then Hawk kind of, um, he kind of like, and kind of, a, I know he's being, cons- he's trying to, he's trying to give her the motivation. Like she, she's trying to open the reality, open her mind to the reality that she's going to have to kill someone. And Suwon is her main, en- is the enemy. And it could be Suwon that she's pointing that arrow at. So he tells her, envision Envision Suwon, like you know, he starts mentioning Suwon's name, and then she immediately gets like, 
angry and just shoots the arrow. She just lets it go. And it actually grazes Hawk's, Hawk's like face, like on the side of his cheek. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, a really tense situation. It's like, holy crap. Uh, first of all, like, Hawk, like you, you're like, Hawk, why are you being so insensitive? But, he, but we know that this is something that, you know, has to, has to conquer. Um, so it's, it's, it's good that he, you know, he did that. Um, that's one of the actually stand up moments that I really, really liked. Cause like, you know, I know this is going to hurt her, but I want her to be aware that this is something that she needs to do. Right. Um, anyways, I kind of ranted a little bit. <laughs> the way I'm going, I'm, this is going to be a long episode. They're supposed to be long. I, that, that, um, I promise Neverland one was like over an hour. Um, uh, so that's, that makes taking all these notes worth it because I have a lot of content, <laughs> but because it took me a long time to write these notes. <laughs> uh, anyways, so we get to the first village and we're introduced to the newest party member, uh, Gija, and um, he is the first dragon warrior person. Um, he's really fun. Uh, he's, he's he's kind of like he's kind of sensitive, actually like super sensitive. Um, complete opposite of Hawk. Hawk's like. Um, well, Hawk has some moments where he kind of lets his guard down, but Gija's like super sensitive, really easy to poke fun at. Um, he just gets so overwhelmed and, and so he's flustered. Um, but I, I like his and Hawk's uh, interactions. Uh, uh, you know, Yoon, uh, you know, is still part of the group, but Yoon is more, he's more reserved. Uh, you know, and obviously he's a little more feminine. He, he, he has less t- testosterone going around between him and, and Hawk. Um, so he kind of just stays out of the way while Hawk and Gija like butt heads about who's going to protect Yona. Right. And they're just constantly teasing each other. It just makes for some really good comedy. Um, but yeah, Gija, um, his whole backstory is that like he, his is kind of boring. It's not the most like well thought out of the dragon warriors compared to like the ones we meet later. But, um, he he just has this power like this dragon arm that like grows when when he's using it in battle right and uh it's just like this beastly it looks like a the like he forms like talons and like it's just like a giant claw with scales um and uh but like he's spending his time in this peaceful village and he's just like man he's like it's my fate to go protect this red dragon or whatever but like when is she ever going to come or like when are they he they whatever whenever when are they going to come like when am i going to be able to f- fulfill my destiny am i just going to live this boring complacent existence without ever having to fulfill my duty am, am i just going to die and then you know let my reincarnation hopefully be the one that um um supports the the red dragon um, you know, so, so he's kind of like, and I, I kind of feel that too. I was like, man, am I ever going to like be where I need to be? Like be where I'm supposed to be in life in terms of like my career and stuff like that. Like I, I always wonder that myself. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a short, it's a short little sentiment, a short little backstory, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But, um, it, it is effective. Um, it definitely resonates. So that, that's his whole thing. But, um, moving on, we, um, let's see. Uh, so they're on their way to to find the next dragon, um, and uh, I think they have a run in with some bandits, stuff like that. We actually get to see Gija in action. His his claw for like somebody who's so like sensitive and everything, and like so bumbly all the time. It he gets super serious when it comes to protecting Yona, you know, his master, right? So like, <laughs> I actually remember this. I made a note. I was like overkill much, but like, so they're they're fighting these bandits, and like, granted, the bandits were. It seemed like they were only going to rob them, which I mean, only going to rob them. But it seemed like it wasn't like they were going to like murder them in cold blood and, and take their belongings, or whatever. But, uh, but like, 
Gija just like like just destroys these dudes like with his giant freaking dragon claw. He just murders them. Like like he just like demolishes them. And I'm like, whoa, I think you might have overdid it a little bit. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, and uh, also in the midst of like fighting these bandits, that's another reason why I mentioned this. Um, Yoon and Yona are in hiding and we do get to see Yoon instructing Yona how to use the bow properly. And uh, Yona actually successfully manages to hit someone that was attempting to to flank one of the boys while they were fighting. And it turns out Yoon's actually a really good teacher. Um, whereas like Hawk is like, I don't know, just fire and shoot the arrow. <laughs> like he's like, you know, he's not a great teacher. Like he's a capable warrior, not a good teacher, doesn't really have the the patience, I guess. So it's nice to see like a little something out of Yoon. Yoon is very capable, even though he doesn't have a lot of like physical prowess or like, you know, fighting experience or whatever. He knows a lot. He's he he constantly calls himself like a genius too. Like he's very he's not humble. <laughs> but like he has every right to be as cocky as he is. Like, you know. So just another reason why I, I love Yoon. He's more, he's kind of like the straight man in the group, which is because just like the, all the characters are just like way over the top. Like Yona and, and Yoon are probably the the most like grounded until we meet like the green dragon. He well, even though he's a little dorky too, but we'll get into that later. So um, they they continue the journey for the blue dragon. Gija is is guiding them in directions based on like his very vague sensory sensory abilities. Um, so Yoon kind of takes the lead here. Despite never traveling to the outside world, he at least has better awareness of the outdoors after spending so much time just living, you know, in the in the surviving in the woods, basically. Um, so he's basically their their survival expert slash navigation. Um, and after like days of wandering, they finally reach this mountainous area that has like people living inside the mountain, and that's where this village is, like the village hidden in the mountains. <laughs> um, Excuse me, and then uh, Gija confirms like, okay, this is th- these mountains. This is the Blue Dragons hideout, and then they discover some poor people in there, and they're all like, oh, there's no Blue Dragon here, <laughs> and it's clear that they're hiding something. Um, but they do provide shelter to the crew, and and just kind of warn them to stay put, or they'll get lost. But really, I think they want them to stay put. Well, it, they do. Say, it is pretty much like a labyrinth inside that mountain, but also I don't think they want them stumbling upon the Blue Dragon. Um, but Yoon suggests like, hey, we don't have a lot of time. Let's just snoop around. You know, it's nighttime. Let's snoop around inside these mountains. And I think Yona, she has a tendency to wander off. She wanders off, uh, hits like a switch and discovers like a secret passageway. And then like this cute little squirrel thing emerges out of it and, and then um, jumps onto Yona's shoulder or whatever. And I think some shadowy, shadowy figure, which I thought was going to be the blue dragon, but it was just some random weirdo. He was trying to like lure yona down into the passage it was kind of a creepy moment i'm like what, what the freak is going on um and 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 he almost succeeds in like leading her away from the rest of the group and pulling her deeper into this mountain like the secret passage no this this never comes up again by the way like i don't know what where this person was leading yona it's really creepy to think about like there's just some hidden passageway that you know these people might be freaking like i don't know they might be like trafficking i don't know what they're doing but like Yona was about to get led somewhere just into the darkness and deep inside this mountain. I'm just like, okay, kind of weird um, and kind of creepy. So, uh, but she does get saved by the blue dragon. Um, he kind of just emerges out of nowhere and um, doesn't say a word, I don't think. I, I can't remember. But um, he, he saves Yona and then kind of just disappears. Um, and I'm trying to remember where my notes left off here. Oh yeah, so in like in the middle of um, being a, uh, almost abducted by this random stranger, like Yona actually calls out for a hawk, and that, I think that's how the blue dragon hears her. Um, and it's I thought that was a kind of a nice um, 
you know, a nice note is that she, you know, the first person, despite having Yoon and Gija there, the first person she calls out to is Hawk because Hawk is the one that she trusts the most. So I thought that was like a nice little sentiment or whatever. It gave me some warm fuzzies. Like, oh, she's calling out to Hawk, of course. Um, and uh, there is this, uh, oh, and around this time I actually made this note. There's a cool column on the side about how the author came up with the name Yona of the Dawn and how the original, I- one of the original ideas for the name of the series was Yona of the Flower Crown. And that sounds kind of cool. You know, Yona the Dawn, I think, ultimately is the better name. But um, I think she, uh, I think the author, Kusanagi, or the editor decided that didn't, that lacked punch, you know. I think the editor was the one that ended up helping come up with the final name. So that's pretty interesting stuff. I love little tidbits into the creation of the series. I think it's really cool. But uh, yeah, we're moving on to volume four. Um, we get into the Blue Dragons backstory. Um, uh, again, so they're in this mountainous area. Um, eventually they do find the blue dragon, turn out the villagers were hiding him, so on and so forth. I don't think he wants to leave. He's kind of been in isolation, but yeah, we, we learned his backstory and it's just like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Like it's way more involved than Gija's backstory. Um, and, and we learned that the way these dragon warriors work is kind of like Avatar The Last Airbender. We're like, it's a, it's a reincarnation thing, obviously, but like, except in this case, where it's like the avatar dies and then the next avatar is born. Uh, in this case, the previous wielder of like the dragon's blood, the dragon's power is still alive even after the next, the successor or whatever is uh, born. And then that previous wielder starts to slowly lose their powers, like their life force really, as the other one is gaining that power. Um, so it's actually more like all for one or, or one for all in My Hero Academia. Um, it's, it's functions similarly to that actually, almost exactly like that. And, um, and, uh, it's so, so we learned this through like the backstory is just, we actually get to physically see this come into play with the blue dragon. But yeah, so like in this village, the person born with this dragon power, like for years, they've been basically not allowing that child to have a normal existence because they're, they're terrified of that power. And, um, all these rumors spread about like the eye, you know, the blue dragon has eyes of the dragon. Or the blue dragon warrior has eyes of the dragon. That's their ability, their eyes. Um, whereas like Gija has the arm of the dragon. And later we learn that the green dragon has the leg of the dragon, right? Um, so he has the eyes and people made all these rumors like, oh, the eyes will turn people to stone, um, so on and so forth. And um, so they were terrified of his ability. It made him wear a mask, um, basically isolated him from the rest of the village. Kind of like in an Naruto sort of way, like where people like shunned in shun naruto behind his back without him you know because he had the nine-tailed fox spirit inside of him and um his only uh the blue dragon's only caretaker uh was kind of rough with him that the previous blue dragon uh and 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 despite him being so young at the time too and granted you know this the previous blue dragon wielder or whatever he um you know, he's older, he's experienced this hatred, this disdain that the rest of the villagers had towards him and had been suffering for a really long time. So, of course, he's a little rough around the edges. And, um, you know, I think we learned that his name was Owl, which is blue, I believe, um, in, in Japanese. So we learned that Owl, he's just, he's just very angry and frustrated that he had to live this lifestyle and then have to raise this boy to do the same is basically what I got from that story. But, you know, he, I, think, I think Owl really loved the this this boy and or at least pities him that he has to live this terrible existence he has he's setting this kid up to basically just be shunned in isolation for the rest of his life like it's it's kind of sad like his his duty as like a parental figure to this kid um he's the only one that could possibly 
empathize with him. Um, and then after he's gone, after I was gone, the blue dragon just kind of is by himself, which is what ends up happening. So there's the scene where Owl feels the blue dragon's abilities finally leave him. The curse, he's, and then he's like yells, he screams out loud to the heavens, he's like, yes, I'm free of the curse, I can finally die, right? And then meanwhile, the blue dragon, the kid, is just sitting there looking up at him, and I'm just like, dang. I'm like, you really had to phrase it like that. <laughs> like, you're like, you know, that's kind of selfish of him, really, because like, this little kid, the power that you just, you just are so happily exclaimed that you're finally rid of, he has that power now, and you're over here saying, yes, the curse is gone, I can die. <laughs> you know, like, dang, dude. But, um, you know, you, you feel like, oh, that's pretty selfish of him, but also you just feel really bad. <laughs> you just feel really bad for both of them. The situation is just not great. And um, when Al inevitably dies, uh, he just leaves the, leaves the boy alone, and the boy has to fend for himself. It's really, really, really sad. <laughs> and I thought it was a really well-done backstory for the Blue Dragon. Um, so, yeah, Yona eventually, again, so... That's when she finds the blue dragon in his hiding place and they were keeping him as prisoner. And then um, he's been like kind of like a willing prisoner because he could have escaped at any time. Um, but he's been conditioned to believe that it's too dangerous for him to be outside. So it's just really interesting how this village treats their dragon warrior so differently compared to Gija's village. Uh, just completely different like treatments, different lifestyles, really. And uh, And again, unlike... Unlike Gija, who was just itching to be a servant to Yona, the Blue Dragon actually refuses Yona's offer. I think out of because he's frightened, um, and and Gija again was just jumping at the opportunity. So it's an interesting, uh, you know, comparison there. Um, but after some like earthquake shenanigans, Yona, uh, you know, they have to dig themselves out of the tunnel. I, if you guys remember this, like the tunnel collapses, and they all kind of work together to dig themselves out of the not the tunnel, but like the yeah, the mountain. And um, Yona eventually wins the blue dragon over. She actually gives him a name, um, uh, which is Shinha, is, I think it's how it's pronounced. And um, that's, that's actually really, that's really sweet. <laughs> it's, it's like I, that whole scene, I was like, wow. It's like, because like you think about how sad it was. Like this kid was so isolated, no one ever cared enough to give him a name. Like he didn't even have a name. They just call, he just called himself the blue dragon, which is like pretty cool, right? But like, you know, not when you're not, proud of what you are you you basically your name is the thing that everyone fears you know that's like now like there's a scene in naruto the first episode actually first chapter whatever you want to and um or mizuki mizuki um is one of the um the teachers the instructors at the ninja academy um who had like some ulterior motives he he basically um tricks naruto into stealing uh, a forbidden scroll uh, it's, it's kind of i'm trying to remember and then um and then tries to manipulate him to basically use his nine tail fox powers for for evil or whatever. And he's like, you, you know, you you you're you're not Naruto. You're the nine tail fox. He kept calling him the nine tail fox, right? He's just kind of trying to downplay the fact that he's anything else but the nine tail fox. He's a beast. He's a, you know, he's he's pure evil, right? Um, and and that that's basically like he, in this case, they just call him the blue dragon. You're the you know you're the blue dragon. You're you're nothing more. You know, like you're. You, you shouldn't even exist, you know, that kind of thing. So it's really, really sad. Um, and that was kind of a loose comparison. I mean, that was kind of like a, a choppy comparison because I couldn't even remember all the details of the thing I was referencing. But I, I hope you guys get the idea again. Uh, I'm just kind of back and forth on this. Um, but I, I like Shinha. I think he adds a really nice dynamic to the group. Um, he's pretty quiet, obviously, because he's been by himself for so long. He has had no one to talk to. So, um, And 
we haven't really seen, I don't think we see much of his abilities other than he could see really far. It's like the Byakugan, like he could just like see like really long distances. I don't know what his eyes can actually do in terms of like combat. Um, Cause we do see in the flashback, like we see him as a child with his eyes, you know, with his mask off and, and, and his like dragon eyes, he's just standing in a, in a pile of bodies. Cause he goes and kills like these people that were going to um, ransack his village or whatever. I can't remember. But um, that was, um, that was pretty brutal. I was like, dude, what did he do to these guys? They're all just bleeding and dead. Like, I'm, I'm like, uh. so I don't know what exactly his eyes can do, like in terms of combat, but, um, but it's cool that he can see far. <laughs> um, but yeah, so their next part of their quest is to find the green dragon. So we've got, we've got the white dragon. I think the, yeah, he's the white dragon, Gija. And we've got the blue dragon, Shinha. And now we're going to find the green dragon. So three out of the three out of the four, right? Um, and this it's here where like the longest arc starts. Um, they they stumble upon again another. Oh no! Before they get there, so they stumble upon some poor village, and uh, it's here that we actually get glimpses that the chief of the fire tribe, uh, General uh, Kang Sujin, is not a great guy. Which, of course, he's got, like, that evil look about him. So, like, I could tell he just wasn't a good guy. And he's conspiring with the Sky Tribe, you know, with the whole Suwon's ascension to the throne and everything like that. And, he, of course, he was, like, he was involved in, like, them messing with the freaking Wind Tribe. So, <laughs> clearly, he's not a good dude. Um, but, apparently, he's been pouring resources into his military, which, again, he looks like the type to do that. Um, and he's just been draining everywhere else of finances, of like financial support. So, so, um, we see the effects of that and how like, it's weird. Cause like this dude is working with technically working with Suwon and, um, but, and so I don't know if Suwon's made aware of this, you know, of, of the stuff he's, how he's, how the, uh, fire, you know, general fire tribe general is doing these things. But, um, and I, I hope, I hope I'm referring to the right person. I remember during the meeting, I, I believe that's the same, person during that meeting of the four tribes i believe uh kang sujin was the um the fire tribe general that they're speaking of when they reached this um poor village but um yeah we also get to see some outside opinion of uh yona's father so this is the first time like you know again seeing these people being out in the public this is the first time she's hearing outside opinions of her father that aren't like you know praised so we assume that Yona's father was like a peace, you know, this really great, just peace-loving ruler and, you know, cared for his kingdom and all that stuff. And I'm sure he, you know, he, maybe he did. I don't know. I don't know because we still don't have any details about it really. But um, it's here that it kind of alludes to the fact that maybe, you know, these again, these poor people and their impressions, they start talking ill of the previous king, that maybe Yona's father wasn't a great leader after all. And that could be part of Suwon's motivation to to kill him. Maybe maybe Yona's father was a villain, or you know, I don't I don't know. Um, it, again, it's like there's a lot of un, maybe unreliable narration, so I don't know what's going on. But yeah, you you get the feeling that Yona's father wasn't great after all. And um and Yona hearing this from these poor villagers, um, naturally this upsets her, and you you kind of feel bad because this is like the one thing, like this is the one part of her identity that she actually took pride in. You know, her father's dead, but you know what? She is still the daughter of a king. She's still a princess, you know? And the one thing that she was taking pride in is now suddenly being challenged because, yeah, you were the daughter of a king that was terrible. Like, you should you should be ashamed to even call him your, you know, you should be ashamed to call him your father because he was no real ruler. 
he was terrible, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's tough, man. That's really tough. So like Yona hears this and it's just like, you can tell she's just upset. Um, but yeah, so now we're moving on to the next arc. We, um, we get wrapped up. This is technically the fourth arc now. So we get wrapped up into a town called Ewa or Awa. <laughs> Again, pronunciation is going to be tough for me because a lot of these names are all, like, some of them are Japanese, some of them are like Korean influence. I don't know. Um, Hawk uh, volunteers to scope out this town while the rest kind of stay back to rest. So again, Yoon, we got Yoon, Gija, Shinha, and Yona. Um, they're kind of they're kind of falling back to rest, and Hawk volunteers to go into town and kind of scope things out. And um, Hawk quickly learns that this town is being terrorized by these police or officials that kind of just do as they please. It's being run by a really crappy ruler. Officials kind of going around taking advantage of people. And uh, Hawk sees some officials harassing some women. And um, originally Hawk's like, man, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me to get involved. And then he goes ahead and just like drop kicks, I think, or like hits somebody, uh, one of the officials. And, um, and around this time, uh, at the same time, uh, the green dragon, uh, Jeha, um, he helps Hawk. He also jumps in and helps Hawk uh, fend off the officials. And um, so this is our first introduction to Jeha, he's just beating up these cops with uh, Hawk. <laughs> you know, they're both kind of uh, <laughs> hotheads just itching for a fight with the law, even though they know they probably shouldn't be doing that. Um, but I, you know, I, that's why I love them. That's part of the reason why I like Hawk. Um, and I definitely love Jeha. I will say now, he is, I instantly fell in love with him. He's my favorite dragon. Yoon's my favorite character. Jeha's my favorite dragon um, so far. I haven't met the last dragon yet. But um, he doesn't have the most like the f- most flattering traits. I-, I have to admit, he's like kind of a womanizer. He, he, the way he interacts with Yona is kind of iffy because Yona's technically like sixteen. I think Jeha is in, like in his twenties or something. So like it's kind of you know a little bit of weird dynamic. This, uh, but Yona, as much as I like it as a as a as a manga, you know, it is it is a shoujo manga that has some shoujo tropes, and unfortunately. The way some of the men talk to Yona or treat her is kind of iffy. It's kind of like that reverse harem setup, um, but uh, but I still I still I still love Jeha. He's uh, the way he interacts with Hawk. You really see how similar they are, and that's probably the reason why I like Jeha. It's like he's like Hawk, but he doesn't do any of the weird, creepy like physical um, advances toward Yona. Like some of the things he says is a little a little skeevy, but he doesn't have like the the those. Uh, problematic traits that Hawk has that I'll, I'll, I still said I was going to get into, but I'll, I'll get into later because that, that's coming. Um, but I, I like Hawk. I think it's because he's a little more, or not Hawk, um, J-Hawk, and I think it's because he's more grounded compared to the other dragons who, you know, they're, they've got like their own little quirks, right? Gija is very sensitive and everything and a little over the top and he just wants to serve his master, so on and so forth. And, and, and then, of course, Shinha is very quiet and he's just kind of like this stoic, character but he's kind of like he's still a little bit of a child because he never really interacted with anyone or anything so um and 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 jay has more of an adult you know he's seen he's been around he's seen a lot of things and he's kind of like a free spirit and that's why that's why i like him he doesn't like to be tied down he's um he's got a lot of perspective and and, and wisdom for his age i guess but um he's uh he sees like he's also really perceptive um he sees like um through their interactions he sees hawk you can tell Hawk is actually struggling with his feelings for Yona. Um, he later, later on, when he meets Gija, he he kind of challenges Gija on his his blind devotion to Yona, and um, asking him, you know, hey, is that what you truly want? Do you truly want to to just resign to some destiny 
that you've been told you're supposed to follow and, and for the rest of your, you know, until you die or whatever. Right. So like he, he, he kind of, um, he, he, he's kind of a wild card. He kind of throws in some little nuggets there and, and kind of stirs the pot, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, uh, but, but that's, that's the part of the reason why I like him too. So, uh, it's also interesting again Jay has so much diff- so much more different compared to like again Gija who was so excited to serve Yona whereas Jay has doesn't want anything to do with Yona or the group at least at first um so uh Jay ha, uh upon meeting Hawk the, the two kind of walk around kind of get to know each other and uh, and Jay ha kind of teaches Hawk of the the town's corruption so we have this town lord uh young Kum Ji and he is trafficking women and, women and children. And we learn that Jeha helps out this group of pirates that um, attack. They basically, these pirates go around just like attacking the officials' ships because the, sh- the ships that they're, they're, they're usually smuggling merchandise, like drugs and stuff. They're just all this corruption. And the pirates, they're kind of like noble pirates or whatever. They go around ransacking official ships and stuff like that and just causing all kinds of trouble for you know the the leadership of the town because they're all corrupt so um in in the in the pirate group that that jay has a part of is led by um this elderly woman she's the the captain uh, uh gigan and she is freaking awesome again another really strong character and an elderly character um uh, she she you don't again you don't see that often in, in manga with the the diversity in the cast and just um she she's like she's really stern and like really tough with her crew but like she's also like kind of like you know she's kind of motherly and she loves her crew like a mother would um and um i'm trying to remember i'm trying to organize myself here so so jeha after seeing hawk's skills as a fighter when they fought off the officials he tries to recruit hawk um but he sent hawk essentially tells him like you know i'm already taken like i'm already employed <laughs> um and 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 uh at this point, sometime during this point, I think Hawk had returned to the group and they, they, they kind of spend the night. Uh, and then I think they all enter the town the next day. And then uh, Hawk kind of says he'll, he'll, he's going to separate from the group because he's like, yeah, I got into trouble with the law. So it probably wouldn't be a good idea for them to see me walking around with you guys. But he doesn't say that out loud. He completely keeps that to himself, which is really, it's really funny, actually. Uh, he's like, yeah, I, I might have uh, beat up a couple cops yesterday. So you guys go on ahead. I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, um, and uh, so Hawk kind of gets wrapped up with uh, Jay Ha again. And then Yona and the crew start searching for Hawk. Like, okay, where the heck is this dude? And uh, they find, they eventually find Jay Ha um, after Jay Ha. I think he's running away. I think he's, I can't remember what he was doing, but he falls off a roof and lands right in front of Yona. And, and Gija confirms like, yeah, this is the green dragon. <laughs> uh, um, and, there's some there's some events I'm getting jumbled up, but Yona like does attempt to recruit Jeha, and and again Jeha wants nothing to do with them. And Yona actually, I didn't expect this, but she doesn't push the issue. And I don't know if it's because she's so confident that eventually maybe she'll win him over or whatever. But like she doesn't she doesn't push the issue. She's like, well, I'm, you know, technically yeah, it's the destiny to protect the dragon, so on and so forth. But like she doesn't want to seem like she's coming off as like selfish, like or that she's forcing anyone to do anything. She's very like considerate of their feelings. She doesn't want them to come along with them if that's not something they don't want to do. So when Jeha denies her, she's just like, you know what, fine. That, I mean, that's, you know, I'm not going to make you do anything. I just figured I'd ask, you know, uh, if you want to help me. I mean, you're putting your life on the line for me. So uh, I'm not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. So that's very like, Yona is such a cool character, uh, like a protagonist in that way. She's so thoughtful. Like, like she's, she's really 
she's really nice. Um, I, I really like her a lot. Um, but yeah, she doesn't push the issue. And, but she does say, after learning that Jay Howe was trying to recruit Hawk, she does say, hey, you know what? I've seen some of the injustice going on here. I, I, I want to help. I want to, uh, I'm willing to collaborate with you pirates. Um, and, you know, and, and she didn't want anything in return. She's just like, you know, fine, I'll, I'll help. You don't want to join me on my quest, but hey, I'll help you guys because I'm here and I've seen some stuff that's going on and I don't like it. So um, she actually sees a child that was murdered by a cop, like a babe, like an infant. I think it was an infant, just a really small child. And I'm like, holy crap. Like that was super brutal. Um, she witnessed that and she just got, she was angry. Like you visibly, there's a lot of like panels where you just see, you just see Yona just angers like kind of boiling up inside of her. And it's really effective. And, uh, and yeah, it was just like, I didn't expect to see something like that. I knew the I knew the town was being terrorized by the, you know, the officials and stuff. But I didn't expect to see a kid get murdered. I, I think the way the, you see, the way they discover this, they see like a mother crying in a corner and, um, and then they ask what's going on. And, and then, and then she kind of like shows her kid to Yona. She's like, he, you know, an official like punched him, like just bludgeoned him. And, um, and he hasn't moved since like that child was dead. That uh, official just punched a, a kid and, and killed him. Um, and it, it's just like, insane like so so yeah you know understand he's like you know i can't just walk away from this town we'll help you pirates like i i i I can't stand to let this go um so yeah it was pretty brutal and so yona does finally get to meet the pirate captain gigan and and gigan begins assigning everyone tasks and um i like how yona she's like yeah i'll help you guys but then she doesn't really know how she can help (laughs) you know she's like She's eager to do something, but she finds out, I can't do much. And Gigan initially just has no task for her because she's like, you know, you're weak. I, I really have no use for you, <laughs> which is kind of brutal, right? But, but I, I like that even without having any particular skill, Yona still is ready to help. Like she's always ready to help. And like she isn't written in a way where like all of a sudden she's strong enough to hold herself, hold her own against a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of skilled fighters, right? Or anything like that. She doesn't have like a, a shonen um, hidden, a hidden shonen, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like superpower, you know, like she doesn't have some trump card that she can just pull out. She, she's, she's got to earn her way to, to, to be strong, you know, like, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that to be derogatory towards shonen. I should probably stop using shonen as like a, in a negative term. I, I promise I love shonen. That's a majority of what I read. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I keep doing that, but like, Shonen done bad, okay? Like, you know, she's not like that type of protagonist that like, because the author, because she's the main character and the author wants to see them be cool, she's not suddenly the, the one that's gonna suddenly get powerful just so that she could look cool in a scene or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Like, it's a gradual build up to where she needs to go. Um, and uh, and Gigan's like, you know what? Okay, you know, I see how determined you are. I've got a, I've got a task for you. How about you go to this, <laughs> essentially she gets like her own little training arc. Um, you go navigate the edge of this really dangerous cliffside. I think it's called like the Vanishing Cliffs or something like that. Like that's a pretty ominous name, right? The Vanishing Cliffs. And uh, yeah, so there's some herbs growing there and they only grow there, but they're really powerful herbs and they have really strong healing properties. So if you can grab some of those herbs and bring them back to me with no one's help, then I might consider letting you do something in this operation that we're about to hold. Um, I'll let you join the crew, you know? And uh, it's ridiculous how dangerous that cliff looks. Like it's 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 terrifying. Um, and all the characters say they they comment as such. Like 
uh, Gigan's being really cruel by telling Yona to do this. Um, and, and Yona kind of, she's like, you know, yeah, fine, let's do it. And then she gets to the cliff and then she starts walking and then she's like, crap, <laughs> I don't want to die. Like she looks down and she's just terrified. And then Jeha, who, you know, the guy that didn't want to have anything to do with her, he, he's like, he, he talks her through it. He, he, he kind of, he shows up on the scene. He's like, you know what? He, he kind of talks her through it. And then she realized, you know what? I've been through so much already. I've seen some terrible things. My father was murdered, you know, by someone I loved. So like this cliff is nothing in comparison. And then she's like, you know what? And she goes beyond that. She says, even if this herb was in the middle of a battlefield and there was arrows flying through the air, I would still risk my life to get it if, I meant, if it meant that I would help my comrades. And I'm like, God, that was powerful, dude. That was that was something. I just like every every volume. I just like fall in love with Yona even more because like she's just God. Like she's awesome, and uh, she eventually does succeed in in getting the herb, but not before uh, she almost dies. And Jeha, she I think uh, like a strong gust of wind or a strong wave crashes on the cliffside, and Yona falls, and uh, Jeha is able to, to save her. He, he catches her after she like grabs onto a branch that was hanging on the side of the cliff. So he's able to save her. And then she's like, crap, well, you helped me. So now technically I didn't pass the test because Gigan said I couldn't have anyone's help. And, uh, and he's like, you don't have to make mention of this. You already grabbed the herb. Jeha says that to her. You already grabbed the herb. I just, what I did was just a bonus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's another reason. I just love the way Jeha talks sometimes. That's another reason why I love him. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, for someone who talks a lot of junk, Jeha really does start, you, you do see him starting to care for Yona, and I think it's pretty cute. Um, but of course, by Gigan's rules, Yona technically didn't retrieve the herb, so Yona tells her as much. She tells on herself. She, when they finally get back to the crew, she tells on herself. And um, and uh, she's like, you know what, but I'm willing to go back there again by myself and do it right this time. And then everyone's like, I, I was like, holy crap, she's really going to try that again. Like, I, I was actually kind of nervous. But but I think Gigan sees her, her determination. She's like, you know what? Now you've proved yourself. Um, you know you can you can join the crew. And then um, Yona, uh, you know, there's a she basically devises like this really creative task um, for herself. Like you know, what? I instead of having Gigan try to assign her something, she comes up with something herself. She's like, I know how I could be of use. And um, basically. She says, I'll, I'll get trafficked, <laughs> you know, I will, I'll infiltrate the, their ranks and I'll send a flare from the ship that we're being held captive so that you guys can narrow in on that ship and, 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 and set all these women and children free that are being, that are being trafficked. I think, did I mention, I don't know if I mentioned the trafficking, but yeah, that's another thing that's going on. There's some trafficking going on and Yono's like, okay, we'll discover where the girls are being trafficked. And I think they learned from like a, a townsperson where these girls are being trafficked. And um, Yona, Yona, and also Yoon, or I don't know if Yoon volunteers um, or, or she, he gets volunteered, but uh, he disguises himself as a woman, which is very easy for him because he's a, again, a pretty boy. Um, and they both get captured. And I was like, wow, this is really... This is a really good idea. Um, so they'll release. So the operation is they get it. They get trafficked into the holding area where all these women and children are. They get put on the ship, and then they have to fight their way up to the deck and release a flare. And then Shinha, with his superior eyesight, will be able to see that flare in the night, and they can just zone in on that ship. And uh, and that's the uh, part of the operation. So things are getting pretty pretty tense. Um, oh, I'm going on an hour already. Nice. Let me go ahead and. 
Actually, let me go ahead and stop here for a quick break and get right back to you. One second. All right, no sound cues, no nothing. I'm back. I guess I could have just edited this out where you guys don't have to hear me physically take the break. One thing I love about Anchor is that, actually, I love a lot about Anchor, but one thing is like the maximum recording time is an hour and then you have to, for a segment, and then you have to start a new segment. So anyways, so that's part of the plan. They're trying to um, uh, basically isolate the ship that's holding the the women and children. And um, yeah, so I'm trying to, now I got to follow up where my notes were. Let's see. Do, do, do. I did say, oh yeah, because there's like six or seven ships in the harbor. So like they won't know which of the official ships is the one that's trafficking the woman to be sold. Um, it's a really good idea. I'm really proud of Yona for stepping up to the plate. I also like this part of the arc too because it gives Yoon a more active role. And I just love Yoon. I already mentioned. Again, Jay has my favorite dragon, but Yoon is definitely my favorite character. Um, and uh, oh, and now I can finally get into some of the things that I don't like about Hawk, which is probably going to offend some people because I, I know a lot of people love Hawk. But so the night before the operation, Hawk notices Yona's hand scratched up from when they um, when she was scaling the, the cliffside or whatever. And um, I think she had a lot of splinters and she was trying to get him out because I think when she grabbed onto that branch after she fell, she got a lot of splinters. Uh, Hawk's like, you know, he's being thoughtful. He's like, oh, yeah, Yoon's carrying around some honey. That'll actually, if you put the honey on your hands, it'll help ease those splinters out of your hands and you don't have to dig and get them out. And the way, like, the method that Yona was trying to get those splinters out was really kind of gruesome. She was, like, trying to, like, dig them out with, like, a needle or something. I was like, Jesus, you're cutting your hands up. Um, and so it's supposed to help get rid of splinters. And that, but, like, in the middle of this, because this is, like, a very intimate thing they're doing, he's, like, kind of dressing her wounds with honey. It's, like, very intimate. It's, like, actually kind of, it was kind of a nice scene at first. And then, um, you know, I think Hawk, he kind of has like all this internal monologuing and he's like, you know, he gets distracted by his thoughts and feelings for Yona and all of a sudden the the, the honey's kind of pouring over and, and he's like, oh, you know, it's like, oh, it's spilling. And and then Hawk does something so weird. He he starts licking the, the excess honey off of Yona's hands and I'm, he grabs her hand and just starts licking it. And it, I thought, I, I tried to, I tried to figure out how this would be, like, what was the author's intention? And I'm like, the only thing I could think of is that this is clearly, like, pandering. This has to be pandering. Like, the, for, the, for the audience that likes that kind of stuff, like, likes Hawk's assertiveness and, like, you know, because he's called the Thunder Beast. Like, you know, he's very, he's like this very, I don't know, for lack of a better word, bestial man. You know, like, he's got, a, you know, he's aggressive, you know, that kind of thing. I thought that's what they were going for. It's supposed to be like sexy or something. I don't know, but I was taken aback by the scene. I thought, for one, I thought ill licking that's that's gross. And second of all, it was just gross because he was assaulting her. Like, the, the, like even if you like a, a girl, you're not gonna suddenly just start licking your hands, like, and, and just out of nowhere. Like, but and then the, and then the night before a serious operation, like her nerves are going crazy. You know, like she's she's gonna do something really crazy, and you're over here licking her hands like it was a nice thoughtful thing for you to like dress her wounds and 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 and, but like i don't know it was really weird and like i i I get like you know maybe his like his i don't know lust took over i I don't know what it was but like it was just kind of weird and 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 honestly it wouldn't okay and that wouldn't have even been that bad if yona was kind of like playful about it but she wasn't she was visibly uncomfortable in this scene and she tells hawk to stop and then and then he like she like takes her hand away or something or he drops her hand and 
And he's like, well, why did I do that? Like, even he's like, why did I do that? Like, he was consumed by something. Like, he couldn't control himself or whatever. But, like, and, and she tells him, like, I hate when he gets like that. I, I hate it when you get like that. I don't know if she said it out loud or in, your, in, his, in her head. But, like, this kind of confirms that she's not, Yona's not completely oblivious of Hawk's advances. Because the way she said that, she's like, I hate it when you get like that. Um, and it also shows that maybe, like, you know, his advances are not requited. I think Yona's got too much going on to be worrying about you, Hawk. Like, you're... You know, there's there's bigger stuff at play, and you're being kind of you're being kind of selfish, you know, and like, and and it's just like I don't know, it's just way too much for Hawk to be like acting so weird. Yona doesn't really have time for it, you know, and then and then it like he does something like this again. It's not as disgusting as the hand licking stuff, but like later Hawk pulls a stunt where like I think he's waiting for Yona in the night, and I, I can't remember she, Yona had just gotten back from like. A conversation with someone i think it was might have been gigan i'm getting the events mixed up but then like he's just waiting for her like kind of in a stalkerish way it's kind of weird like he's always by her side because he's always wanted to protect her but like in this in this particular situation it came across as weird he so again this is the night before the operation he he pins her up against a wall and uh you know again this is a shoujo manga there's shoujo manga tropes uh i i and this is definitely one of them where the guy kind of pins the girl up against the wall but like I was still super peeved by this, especially after the whole honey thing. It's like, again, he's aggressively, in this situation, he's not just putting his arm up against the wall. He's aggressively pressing his like torso, like his body against her, where his head is past her head. And like, and, and saying stuff like, oh, I want to I wanna tie you down so that you never, so that you'll never put yourself into danger. Like, what can I say to you to make you stop going through with this? And I'm like, dude, she does like this is the plan she came up with is is is, is going to be really effective in the in the turning the tides of this you know and making this operation easier for everyone and you're just trying to convince her to not do it and i'm like and, and then also you're just being creepy about it like you, you're getting you're trying to be all like i don't know if you're trying to be all sexy again this feels like pandering it, i don't and, and, but it just felt super uncomfortable and then hawk has some like i, I get that he has internal conflict but like for the most part, like, yeah, he teased Yona and, and stuff like that. And, but he'd been pretty, like, chill for the most part. But then, like, this weird sudden aggressiveness was just, like, to me, not attractive. I don't think it was attractive at all, especially because Yona's not into it. Like, she's just not. She yells at Hack again in this scene. She yells at him, and he's, like, telling her – she's telling her him to get off. Like, get off of me, dude. And then – and he doesn't even do it right away. He, like, hesitates. And I'm like – what is what is happening? Like, Hawk, you you were so cool. Why are you acting so like stupid? And I think it's because like, again, she's putting herself into danger, and like he doesn't like that, and because he has feelings for her, he wants her to be safe, and then like, and then like this whole you know, it's one thing to be have like this protective side and everything, but like when you, it's becoming to the point where like he doesn't see her for how capable she can be. And and he's just trying to control. It seems like he's being a little control, like overprotective. Like he's a protector, but now it seems like he's being a little overprotective, and also just really weird with like his really aggressive advances. I don't know. And that's my small rant about Hawk. <laughs> I don't want to go too too crazy. I just that whole ex- the whole exchange just made me kind of upset. But anyways, um, that's mostly what I got to say about that. Now we're getting to the end of volume six. Believe it or not, I will say, despite the weird stuff with Hawk, I did like. Yona's conversation with Gigan, I, I, the, the pirate captain, I think they have like this really cool like mother-daughter like bonding. And I think Gigan thanks her uh, at this point for like volunteering. And what I really like about this exchange is that we get to see a little more insight into Yona. So like 
we see that despite only knowing Gigan for a few, she feels very close to her. And it's like the closest thing to what Yona's had as a mother in her life or like a mother figure. And it's a very sweet and emotional scene. I, I really don't like seeing Yona cry, but, but this was a really beautiful moment uh, that the two shared. And I thought, you know, even with all the hawk shenanigans, like this was a really sweet scene. And um, moving on, we're, um, this is kind of, things are getting really tense. Uh, Yona and Yoon's infiltration is successful. Stuff's about to get underway, super exciting. Gets you really jittery. Um, you get to witness some of the brutality of Yang Kum Ji. He actually, in the holding room, uh, Yang Kum Ji introduced himself to all the ladies that he's holding captive. And uh, he actually eyes up Yona. He's like, you know what? You're, you're especially beautiful. I like, because her hair is unnatural, I guess, for this universe. Like, having red hair is a little, you know, out of the ordinary. Which is kind of funny because, like, the dragons have really strange hair. Like, you know, um, <laughs> green white uh or was he blonde i don't know green white uh blue it's you know kind of um red i thought wouldn't be anything special but uh, but anyways um he's like yeah you're she's got really beautiful she's exceptionally beautiful and then he's like considering keeping her instead of selling her and then yoon tries to volunteer himself and he, and then he get and then young kumji just like kicks yoon in the face like and then kicks him again while he's on the ground i'm like jesus christmas <laughs> like um so you really get to see some of the brutality, and then like, um, but then he he ends up leaving them. Uh, he ends up leaving that holding area, and then Yoon is just like, man, I hope he dies. I just hope he dies. And I was like, I fe I felt that Yoon. Like, I I love Yoon because like he just uh, he just says what the reader's thinking <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, you get to witness some of the brutality. It it does good about making you hate this dude before his inevitable death. Uh, um, I just yeah, you just don't like him. He's just a terrible person. Um, this young kumji guy so volume seven okay so this is the volume that i read up to it is packed um the operation commences we get to see everyone in action though the standout here is definitely yona so they they, they fight their way to the deck yun and yona there's some uh you know some roadblocks along the way but eventually they get that flare to go off the dragons close in on the ship and in the chaos of battle i think young kumji he attempts to mobilize in like a small like lifeboat and then Yona, I, don't, I can't remember where she was, but she's like perched somewhere. I think on top of one of the ships, you know, some, some part of the ship she was like perched. And then you see her pulling the arrow back. I'm like, oh, snap. Because like before this, I forget to mention, Yona has been practicing a lot with the bow. Like there's many panels where you just kind of see her off just practicing. Usually it's at nighttime and everybody's sleeping. Like she's putting in that work sometimes just off the screen or off the panel. She's putting in the work. And, um, and, and she was preparing for this moment. And it's so satisfying because... She she pulls that she pulls that string back and then let lets it fly and hits the dude square in the heart like boom and then he drops into the water and then he and then Young Kumji like notices and we get like this first person first person perspective as he's kind of like slowly falling back into the water and he sees Yona and he's like man and it's reminding him that glare it, like it, it reminded him of the glare that she gave him on the on the in the holding area. And uh, he's like, the, and, and he is suspected that she might be the princess. And then even more so in his death, he's like, holy crap, this might be the princess. Um, and, but he realizes that and then he dies. So <laughs> her secret's safe so far, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it was just epic, man. I was so proud of Yona. If, I, if this was like the anime, I'm sure I would have been jumping up and clapping, you know? Um, but like right after the shot, he, he drops down to the water. Everyone sh like just stares in awe at Yona. It's just a beautiful scene. Um, after we get just a bunch of celebrating, everyone gets drunk. Jeha is basically saying his parting words to Gigan. They have like a moment. You really get to see how close they are again. Anytime there's like parting going on in, in Yona the Dawn, it's always so bittersweet, you know? Um, 
But yeah, then the next huge moment that really just caught me off guard the next morning. Yona's up early because, like, she's probably the only one that didn't get pissed drunk.、Um, <laughs> um, and she decides to go, through, uh, go for a walk. You know,、uh, so she walks through Ewa, and then bam, like, freaking Suwon, just out of nowhere. I audibly gasped. I think that's the first time a manga has like, made me like, just gasp like, out loud. I, I maybe, maybe the last time was like, probably like, Goodnight Poon Poon、um, by Asano Ino.、Um, but This just like this scene caught me way off guard. I, was, I, I didn't expect to see Suwon for a long time because he hadn't been in the manga since like the first couple of volumes. I didn't expect to see him.、Um, and he just pops up out of nowhere. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> like, and, like, and then Suwon and Yona, they both look as shocked as I was. And then, like, this whole scene was just drawn and, and just perfectly. Like, we just like, Because Yona, of course, didn't expect to see Suwon in this town, period. But like, Suwon thought she was dead. So it's like he was seeing a ghost. And he's like, he's like Yona? And, like, and then she's like speechless. She's like, holy crap. You know, she's, I'm sure she's going through a lot of emotions. She's probably angry. She's probably terrified.、Um, but, but yeah, he, he, she, he thought she was dead. And she probably thought, I won't see this guy until I'm ready to, to fight him, basically. And、um, yeah, we just get like a lot of close up shots of them staring wide eyed at each other. And there's like this immediate tension, just immediate. And like, it's just like crazy <laughs> that how sudden that reunion happened. And then Suwon, his guards、uh, follow up behind him. He immediately hides Yona under his, his clothing. And,、um, and they're like, oh, they notice with the, he's with a woman, but they don't realize it's Yona. And they're just like, you know, they're giving him grief about it. Like, dude, you're the king. What, what are you doing messing around with women? And he's just like, ah,、uh-huh. you know, like, so like it's a kind of like a, Kind of like e a s e the tension a little bit, but then we get perspective from Yona's side, and she's under like Suwon's garment and she sees his sword at his waist and she actually attempts to grab it. And I'm like, she's gonna kill this dude right here in front of his guard. She's just gonna grab his sword and kill him. And this is actually what I wanted from Yona. I was like, man, the next time she sees Suwon, she better not hesitate to kill this dude. And she doesn't. She, she actually reaches for the sword and then. Suwon noticed, like, he kind of, as he's trying to talk to his guard and kind of get him to go away, he notices that Yona's hand is slowly moving towards his sword and he stops her. And, like, what's interesting is, like, Suwon's reaction. He's like, he's not even mad. He's just like, you know, after his guard leaves, he, he asks Yona, he's like, so you want to kill me? And he's like, oh, of, cor- of course you do, you know?、Um, but he's like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not ready to die. I have something I need to do first. And,、um, you know, we're not sure what his main goal is, but I was definitely super engaged. I was like holding on to every word Suwon was saying because, like, we don't get a lot from this dude. And I'm like, God, what, what? he's just still shrouded in mystery.、Um, but, man, I think he ends up leaving. I, he,、um, he, he just leaves Yona. He doesn't do any. Like, I, I was like, God, what's going to happen? Is he going to take her? Is he going to, like, what is he going to say?、Um, but he just leaves her. And,、um, And, and then, after asking、uh, about Hawk, actually, he,、uh, he asked about Hawk first, of course, because、like, I, think, I think he still cares for them too. So that's why I'm thinking Kusanagi is setting, her up, setting them, him up as like a, you know, maybe for redemption or something. I don't know. But he just lets Yona go, doesn't capture her. Maybe he figures he'll just leave her be because he doesn't see her as a threat right now.、Um, I don't know. But I, I thought he'd have to suspect that like, leaving her here alive or just, like, just to do her own thing, especially after she already tried to kill him. I figured he would suspect that this would come back to bite him, but I don't know.、Uh, 
I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, he, he still clearly murdered Yona's father, no doubt about that. So I just wonder how he's going to be, if he ever does get redeemed, like how, how's that going to happen? I wonder if in the end, Suwon was is just going to die or I, I have no idea. Um, sorry, I was looking at the clock. Um, but like, I don't even, and I don't even know how I'll feel when it happens. Cause like now I'm like, man, I kind of like Suwon. I mean, I know he killed her father and everything, but like, I kind of, I kind of like him. <laughs> and I think like Kusanagi's readers wanted to see more from him. I think I remember her making a comment. I remember her making a comment in one of the sidebars of the manga about how like, you know, I, I promise more Sumon's coming soon, you know, that kind of thing. So it's clearly her, her readers in the magazine were asking for more Sumon, but maybe she, Kusanagi didn't want to introduce him yet or didn't know how to introduce him yet in a way to feel natural. I think the excuse they gave for him being in the town was um, he heard the rumblings of corruption and he was coming to check it out, um, which makes sense. He's the king. Uh, I just figured he'd be more preoccupied with his other stuff that he was planning, you know, his other plans. But yeah, he came to this town and I think their next destination was the Earth Tribe or something, which I think is where Yona's headed. So I feel like we're going to see more of Suwon soon. Um, but yeah, um, what a what a thing and like hawk follows up with her he's like oh he's like man i overslept he's like are you good and and he sees how like yona is yona just seems kind of shaken and he sees the way she reacts and he looks off in the distance wherever yona was looking like where suon had departed and he just kind of gets hot kind of gets like this look about him like uh you know he's angry and he gets the feeling i think he realizes what happened i think he knows suon was there um, and he's, so he gets this really like, look about him, this really hawk aggressive look about him. And the, the stuff that the ladies, you know, the ladies fall for, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, I gotta admit, like hawk, you, you've, you've made me mad, but man, I still, I still like you. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So we get our, we get our share of tearful goodbyes. Um, and man, I'm telling you, these really do get me every single time. Every time there's a goodbye, I'm just like, oh God, they're leaving all these people. They're such wonderful people. Um, and then at the end of volume seven, we get kind of like this low key chapter. It's just focused on like this love potion shenanigans. Like they leave the town and like, Yoon's like, oh, I've got like this dragon scale and it's supposed to be, make a love potion. And it actually is, it does make a love potion. And there's this whole shenanigans about, you know, Jeha trying to get, to use the spell on or the potion on Yona and all that, and um, I think I think Kusanagi uh, has a just wonderful sense of humor, which I didn't really talk about too much on this episode, but um, she, I, I I just think like all the interactions, like she really knows how to she really knows how to do humor. Um, it's really funny. A lot of parts I laughed out loud. I just love seeing these characters kind of with their guard down, just kind of like fooling around with each other. Um, I think my favorite part uh, is when um, Shinha. Um, by the way, it's spelled Sinha, but I, I I looked it up and I think it's pronounced Shinha, so that's why I keep saying it. I'm sorry if that bothers you guys. But um the little squirrel, I forgot what his name was, Pukun or something. Um, they both get hit with the love potion <laughs> because Jeha was trying to use it on Yona and then he trips and then spills the love potion all over um Shinha and, and, and the squirrel. And then they both fall in love with the first person they come into con- eye contact with, which was Jeha. So like the rest of the chapter, you just get them following Jeha around and like the squirrel's like clinging to Jeha's face. And he's like, this guy, this little guy has no concept of personal space. And then, um, and I just thought it was funny because like you see Sinha or Shinha um, hiding behind a tree, like, you know, and like, an, it's supposed to be like an endearing sort of way. Like, you know how like Hinata does um, in the Naruto series, but like, it's not because like Shinha, he's got that creepy mask on. And then also he's just so like stoic and quiet. It's just like creepy. Like it's like a horror movie. Like you just, every panel you see just Shinha in the background hiding and just watching uh, Jeha. And it's just, I don't know, it was really funny. He just like stalks Jeha from behind. And um, yeah, it's just, it's hilarious. Um, 
But yeah, and Yoon uh, always has these sassy comments. He's just like, he told Jay, he's like, yeah, enjoy your pop- popularity while it lasts. <laughs> like, he's just like roasting him. It's, it's hilarious. But yeah, I think that was a great way to, to end the arc. It was a pretty action-packed arc, the longest arc. So it was nice to have that kind of like, you know, some people call it a quote-unquote filler chapter. And some, a lot of people use that derogatorily. I actually saw some online discussion about this chapter. It's like, oh, get back to the action. I'm like, dude, we just had action. Like, calm down. <laughs> There's ebbs and flows. You can't just have high-octane action all the time. Like, let her, let her write a funny chapter, you know. And she does it well. It was a good chapter. Um, I think it was a nice cool-down moment before the next, the next major arc. So in closing thoughts, um, I, overall, I'm still really enjoying Yona of the Dawn. I, I love the new characters, love the comedy. The arts definitely had a lot of standout moments. Um, one thing I forgot to mention about the art is the little details in the, in the character's clothing. Like like Jay Huff, for instance, he's got like this lining at the edge of his garments, and it's just like this really intricate pattern, and it's really pretty. And like I think Kusanagi says this in the, one of the sidebars again um, that she actually does all this by hand. She doesn't use any CG, so like it's painstaking. It takes forever, but like it's so. I think the effort's so worth it because it just looks beautiful. But she says it just, it's so meticulous. It just takes her so long. Um, but she does it and it looks great. Um, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to meet the, the dragon, the last one. I think, I think that's the earth, earth one, right? So, um, what is he, the brown dragon? I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I'm curious to see where the story goes beyond that because it's been, you know, it's been fairly long so far. I mean, and it's got, it's got a lot of volume still. Um, so, um, I want to see more of Simone, but I understand we have to focus on Yona in the in the crew. Uh, I just, you know, I just kind of wonder what sort of politics are going on behind the scenes. I I I also want to see Hawk be a little, you know, a little more reserved. Like, dude, calm down. Don't be physically assaulting Yona. <laughs> you know, like, like come on. <laughs> um, and I know again, I know it's supposed to be like sexy or whatever, but like Yona does not reciprocate it at the time at right now. So maybe later when he, she maybe she'll develop feelings for him when things kind of calm down if they ever calm down um so we'll, we'll see uh just a lot of great growth a lot of great growth from yona in these past seven volumes um she's she's shaving up to be you know just awesome um but yeah guys i covered a lot this episode um and it's been going uh what an hour and a half or so so i'm curious like i'm gonna do a part three of this eventually Again, I, I technically I should do a part three of the Promised Neverland, but I was so disappointed in the Promised Neverland's ending. I there's some strong stuff before that, um, but I, I don't know if I want to <laughs> go back to it. I didn't, I, nobody's reached out to me, but like, hey, I actually would really like to hear you talk about the Promised Neverland, even though you don't like it um, or you don't like the way it ended. But um, I just feel guilty that I started that. You know, like okay. And and the sad part is that Promised Neverland Part Two episode is really popular. It's more popular than the original episode, and I'm just like, ah, uh, like I feel pressured to to write a uh, to to um to do a follow up to that eventually. So I don't know, but I'm definitely gonna do a follow up to uh, Yona because I'm enjoying it. I don't see it slowing down. It seems like it has positive reception still. Um, so, but I think I'm gonna cover a less volume. So like maybe the next one I'll cover the next couple arcs. I think there's a small arc and then like the Fire Tribe arc. Um, so maybe I'll do like three more, three, like in chunks of like three volumes or four volumes instead of seven. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, that, but that means that this series will have the potential to have like eight episodes on it or something, which kind of be, would, would kind of be crazy. But like these are supposed to be like, technically they're supposed to be like bonus episodes, right? Um, but because I'm like doing this bi-weekly and it's like, I'm, I don't want to spend too much time doing recurring episodes on one series when I, you know, 
I want to make this accessible to first time listeners so they have entry level episodes to listen to and not so much episodes that they have to read volumes and volumes of manga to get into, you know, that kind of thing. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I still like doing these. They just take a long time. Guys, these are, these episodes are a lot of work, <laughs> believe it or not. Like taking notes and trying just to collect all your thoughts and remember all the events um, and then just having some something to comment on, you know, to find things to, to talk about sometimes can be a little hard. Um, and it's just a lot of note taking and it takes forever. Hence why this recording is so long. <laughs> but I've noticed that the it seemed like the work is, the effort I put in seems to pay off because I, everyone... It seemed like everyone, like, like I think the Promised Neverland Part Two episode is one of my most listened to episodes. It's 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 got the numbers are up there, um, so I don't know, uh, but I'm gonna yeah I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that covers uh, everything the anime adapted of the from uh, the Yona the Dawn manga. Um, so next next time I do an episode on this, it's gonna be fresh material past the anime. So. If um if you're looking forward to that uh and you know you're you want to refresh yourself on Yona if you own it or if you if this has got you more intrigued if for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't even read Yona um you know you should pick up some of the volumes and see if you like it um and and maybe prepare yourself for what I'm going to talk about next again probably the next three or four volumes I don't know depending on the arc shape of I think this is a good spot to end because this is the end of a major arc so yeah um. And I'll probably announce this on Twitter or whatever because I uh, don't expect all of the listeners to listen to this and get to the end. Uh, but uh, the next episode is going to be, I'm kind of on a shoujo manga kick now. So I do own the series called, or part of a series called Shin- Shinobi Life. It's a uh, shoujo manga written and illustrated by Konami Shoko. Uh, and uh, yeah, expect that in a couple of weeks. Oh, I forgot to mention, um, I am writing for uh, CBR. Uh, comic book resources it's kind of like a sister site to um to like screen rant or game rant if you guys have heard of those um it's just kind of something freelance i'm doing on the side uh i do have a, a article published it's um it was, it was actually a, a topic that was pitched by one of the editors and i just claimed it um but it came out i think it came out pretty good um it's uh it's an article chainsaw man versus sakuna who would win uh chainsaw man from chainsaw man and sakuna from jujutsu kaisen um, and it, it came out, I think it came out pretty decent. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, uh, that's on cbr.com. Just search, just search like Chainsaw Man or Jujutsu Kaisen in the search box. It should be one of the first articles that pop up when you search it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the projects I was working on. Um, I'm going to continue writing for them. Uh, I think my next article is on, um, I don't even know if I'm, I guess, it, do I, I I'm just gonna go ahead and say my next article is on Roboco, uh, me and Roboco. Uh, it's one of the uh, gag manga that that are currently running in Shonen Jump. Uh, it's just about uh, Roboco, a mix of effective heroine, uh, and how she how the series is kind of underrated. Uh, I think it's hilarious. Um, so that's that's the next one I'm working on. It's gonna be a little short mini feature. It's not gonna be too long. Um, I could have went into more detail with it, but uh, I kept it short and sweet. Um, I just really wanted to plug Roboco because I think it's hilarious, and um, I also. I also uh, released a second podcast, which I know it's like John, but you, you this this podcast was supposed to be weekly, and you don't even have time to do it weekly, and now you're trying to do it biweekly, and then you struggle to release those on time. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to bite off more than I could chew. I'm trying to use my free time more effectively, but I did release another podcast, like another show. Um, it's on Webtoons, and um, I, <laughs> I so at before last week. 
when I probably should have been reading more Yona and taking notes, I started preparing for that earlier in the week uh, before Thanksgiving. And I kind of like, I read like five Webtoon series and I basically dropped like five episodes at once. And it was actually, it sounds like a lot of work. It kind of was, but like it was, I, I did that relatively quickly because Webtoons are a little quicker to read and they're a little more accessible because they're free. And uh, I thought, hey, that would be kind of a cool idea uh, to kind of get in on the webtoon scene, um, but I'm I'm gonna if if the moment that th- that show pulls too much out of me from like this show because this is my this is my priority this is my Mangalog is my baby you know this is kind of just another side project that I'm doing and technically it already kind of did pull away from me from releasing Yona on time because I thought oh yeah you know I'll release this early in the week and then Yona I'll release at the end of the week and I'm like oh duh it's Thanksgiving um, <laughs> so I, I apologize about that but I did release another webtoon or related podcast it's called My Webtoon Journey kind of a corny name but uh, um, feel free to check that out it should be on like Spotify iTunes all that stuff um, yeah give it a look uh, if you wanna if you're curious it's the same format really of this I don't know if I'll do the part two episodes on that like I do for Mangalog because they're just a lot of work but uh, if you want if you're curious about some webtoon to check out uh, give that podcast a listen. It's called My Webtoon Journey. And also, uh, just to kind of get you started, I think my favorite out of what I've covered so far, I definitely love, um, it's Love Advice from the Great Duke of Hell. It's a comedy webtoon. It's freaking hilarious. If if you like, the, like kind of like the art style of like Chainsaw Man, kind of crude, and if it's just like comedy, like kind of like kind of dark comedy, I think you'll really like uh, love advice from the great Duke of hell. That's a, uh, I definitely recommend you start there if you like comedy. Um, if you like, if you're looking for something that might be a more like quote unquote blockbuster webtoon, uh, like, and I'm talking like in leagues of like tower of God, stuff like that. Um, there is a new webtoon that my brother introduced me to. It's relatively new. It's called omniscient reader. So if you want to give a listen to that episode, I think you'll, you'll like that. And if you want to check that out on the webtoon, the neighbor webtoon app, um, it's on there. It's called omniscient reader. And, uh, has the potential to be pretty big, I think. Um, I'm getting like I'm getting like Sword Art Online in the making, that kind of big. Um, that's that's how I think that webtoon's pretty pretty decent. Um, Sword Art Online, despite the complaints, I actually really liked the first 25 episodes, the first two cores of that. Um, despite some of the hiccups along the way, I think I, I think it was pretty good until it got to like Sao2 and then beyond. It's just kind of, anyways, <laughs> I'm ranting. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening so much. Um, and if you made it to the end here. Thank you. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a it's a time commitment. Um, yeah, uh, expect that next episode uh, in a couple of weeks. Shinobi Life. And uh, thank you guys. Have a. I hope you guys all had a wonderful Thanksgiving for those of you who celebrate it in the states. Um, and yeah, you have a wonderful two weeks. Uh, and you will be able to hear my voice next week because I'm kind of releasing that podcast and this podcast on a biweekly rotating schedule. So the weeks that I don't do Mongolog are the weeks that I'll do my Webtoon Journey. Um, and since this web, since this episode is late, I'm supposed to be dropping a my webtoon journey episode today, but I didn't record that yet, so <laughs> a little behind. But yeah, you'll if you if you just can't get enough of my voice, subscribe to both shows and and just yeah, listen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Okay, bye bye.